We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Good evening, guys. It's Kirk Henderson and Josh Bow once again with another edition of Moneyball After Dark. Tonight, we come to you with the first loss of the season. The Mavericks fell to the Trailblazers, 121-119. to Josh, you just wrote a banger of a recap for the game, so maybe you're all tapped out. But uh, so you saw the whole thing, so, so why, don't, why don't I let you get started? Sure. Um uh, it was a fun game. It was fun as hell. Uh, it sucks that the Mavericks uh, had to lose this way, especially about how good the first half was. Uh, but I think, honestly, the biggest development of this game was really how the Mavericks played in the first half. And I know that's that's kind of a weird thing to say for a game that the Mavericks gave up a lead and lost. But the way they lost, I don't think was shocking. You know, they kind of, you know, Portland kind of took advantage of some weaknesses that we already kind of knew about this Mavs team. Uh, so the the start of the game, I think, was really the thing that I'm taking away from the most. I think because they finally, they finally did it, Kirk. They started the right lineup for the first time this season. Courtney Lee goes to the phantom zone, and Jalen Brunson and Delon Wright start in the backcourt with Luca, Maxi, and Chris stops up front. And lo and behold, the Mavericks start the game on fire. They look great. Uh, Seth Curry comes into the game halfway through the first quarter. Luka Doncic stays on the floor. Another basketball miracle. And the Mavericks scores 71 points in the first half. And I really feel like uh, Dallas can take a look at that film and, and, and look at the data from that first half. And, and yeah, it's an extremely small sample. But, you know, it's, it's stuff that we've been writing about and predicting that could be working for months. And I think they can use that as a blueprint going forward to how they can be successful and win a lot of games. 
and you know in the second half they kind of went away from it a little bit and things got kind of a little weird and, and Portland took advantage of some of uh, Dallas's missteps but uh, despite that and you know despite them losing the game uh, I still feel pretty good about the team because they really needed to uh, make that change you know it was so, it was so obvious you know if they would have kept doing the uh, dog and pony show you know of starting Courtney Lee or starting Dorian Finney-Smith or these weird lineups uh, probably would have driven me uh, to a mental institution so uh, I'm just thankful the Mavericks finally got there and now that they can kind of move forward and use that and build off of that yeah I I have been you know through two games I've been very nitpicky about Chris Porzingis and his stat line tonight is really something to to build on you know he had 32 points he didn't shoot the ball particularly well uh, he's yet to, to shoot above 50% in a game this season, but he got to the line a lot. He rebounded better than he's rebounded at any point this year by far. He had nine boards. And then he set a career high with five assists in a game. Um, and he also had no turnovers. So, like, that's that's something to build on. I was very worried in the fourth quarter. He is still obviously working his way into to cardiovascular shape. When you're a seven-foot-three guy, you know – I mean, shoot, if you're a big man, period, you know what I'm talking about. Getting into physical shape is hard. Getting into shape where you can play like these guys do has to be something of a Herculean effort. So it's it's going to be a, a, a thing for him. He played 34 minutes, which is really kind of surprising to me. Uh, but I suppose the Mavericks were hoping to to walk away from this one. I, I really I'm, – I'm pleased with his game. I, I don't know – you know, like the three-point shot. Uh, you know, three-pointing for the Mavs shooting in general, I'm sure we're going to talk about here in a bit. It, the shot just has to go down. It looks too good. We're either going to have like a 50-point Porzingis game one of these nights or like uh, there's just no other really option. He just, you know, he's taking the right kind of shots, at least in this game. So you know, eventually the process is going to win out. So I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to that. So is there is there anything else like like positive that you want to walk away from, you know, before we before we kind of, you know, nitpick about, you know, the possible reasons and the likely reasons why they lost this game? Uh, yeah, I, I agree with everything you said about KP, you know, especially like, you know, in the fourth quarter when he was missing those shots, they were still good looks. You know, Son Whiteside did not want to guard him uh, past the three point line at all. And he just kind of had a rough spell there in the fourth quarter, which, you know, I agree is, is conditioning. I think the other good thing uh, I'll take away from this is, hey, Lucas free throw shooting. Uh, I know he missed a couple of uh, a couple in the fourth quarter, I believe, but 11 of 14 tonight. He's getting to the line a lot this season. He's making them. Uh, it's a significant improvement over where he was last season. So uh, that's just kind of having me at ease a little bit. Hey, the Mavericks got to the free throw line 41 times tonight, which was pretty great. Uh, mm-hmm. It really, it really single handedly, I feel like kept them in the game when it was when it was struggling. Like in the fourth quarter, they could absolutely not buy a bucket. Uh, and if they did not get into the bonus as quickly as they did, uh, Portland might have won by by 10 or 12 points. Uh, so it's it's nice that on the nights that the Mavericks don't really have uh, their shot going. I mean, really, they shot pretty poorly i mean they were they shot under, horribly yeah, yeah. the shooting is why they lost this game right yeah and uh the shooting and defense and yeah if if you you know they lost a game to the trailblazers by two and they shot under 40 percent from the field and 26 percent from three like hey if they put those numbers up last season uh they probably lose by 25 so hey that's a that's a step in the right direction at least if we're looking for some positives yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, you know, I only really got to watch the second half just because these early, early starts are a little bit problematic with, uh, with anybody who has a child and needs to put them to bed. But I was following along with the game cast, you know. <sighs> Again, you guys, we're, 
big picture, uh, I'm a two and one start is really something. I uh, you know two and one start where they're only losses by two points, but I'm watching some of these guys shoot the basketball, and I just I, it's very very frustrating. I I don't want to be too negative. I'm already that guy on Twitter. But, you know, Tim Hardaway Jr. is is two of 17 for three this year. Uh, Dorian Finney-Smith is two of 10. Justin Jackson is, is, I think he's one for six. If one of these guys hits a shot, this is no longer, you know, we're not talking about a, a game-winning proposition here. The bench guys shot eight of 31 from three, which is 27%. Like, we just need more you know I, I i don't know you know we should obviously talk about and and you know porzingis and luca shooting a combined five of 21 from distance is really bad uh luca was for his you know kind of gaudy looking stat line 29 points 12 rebounds nine assists he you know he barely shot above 33 percent i think and he really settled for some atrocious three-point looks, particularly in the fourth quarter. You know, when you look at the fact that he played 38 minutes, I think there, and the fact that he missed those two free throws you're mentioning, there's something to the fact that he might have been a little bit tired. I, I but the, you know, for a player of his caliber, though, we can't make that excuse for him. He knows he needs to be better. Uh, uh, that's really one of those. Like the three-point shooting is really starting to to vex me because, you know you can't shoot 13 of 50 as a team and expect to come away with the win that they were this close when you're looking at it from that angle is really kind of surprising because, you know, Portland shot the ball, shot 52% from the floor and hit 41% of their threes. And that's, that's just incredible to me that the Mavericks are even in the game when you're looking at it from a, from a like box score point of view. Yeah. And just to kind of put a ribbon on what you're saying, uh, Jackson, Finney Smith, Hardaway Jr. And Kleba combined to go three of 16 from three. You're right. That's just, it's not going to cut it. And it's a weakness that we saw during the offseason. It's why we wanted the Mavericks to be a little bit more aggressive in free agency. And, you know, we have, you know, it's not like Justin Jackson is a first year player. It's not like Dorian Finney Smith is in his second year. You know, Dorian Finney Smith has played a couple of seasons. So is Jackson. Like, there is a track record with these guys. And I know that per, uh, development isn't a linear curve and we can just and you know it's good there's going to be some ups and downs so uh you know who knows you know guys have definitely become good shooters later on in their careers but you know finney smith is an older young player you know he played four years in college uh maxi kleba is already 27 you know you just you have to wonder you know is this just who these guys are uh at a certain point that's just you have to accept that reality and, you know, that's why we, you know, we wanted the Mavericks to be a little bit more aggressive in, uh, in pursuing some some shooting around Luka. Uh, I agree with you. He got really step back happy, especially after the first two games where he really kind of traded in some of those step backs for for pull ups and for for spot ups, which I think, you know, are much better shots for him, especially mm-hmm. the pull ups, because I feel like he can get those almost as frequently as he can get a step back. But and he would just kind of default to the step back sometimes uh he did that tonight it was especially galling for for those step backs tonight because Hassan Whiteside fouled out and Portland was playing five perimeter guys yeah. uh, to close the game and uh you know Luca really could have probably done some more damage inside the line and his game inside the three-point line has been incredible to start the season he's been really good at finishing finishing through contact uh creating good looks uh near the rim uh but uh, as I wrote in the recap I almost wonder if how bad the Mavericks role players were shooting. Like would it have even been that much better if he 
if he didn't step back because he probably would have faced four defenders at the free throw line because Portland did not care about anyone else besides Luca and KP in the fourth quarter. Their and defense that, was heavily shaded toward those guys. They didn't give a crap if Finney Smith or Jackson was wide open. And that that is just is is nuts when you when you think about some of the players who are also on the floor. I was a little curious, you know, uh, by the way, just some inside baseball for those of you at home. I hope my audio is okay because I did not have my mic di- my mic plugged in for almost 10 minutes. So hopefully I was yelling loud enough for my computer mic actually picked up the, uh, the audio here. So we're going to find out. Um, you know, I, I'm a little curious and, and we're going to keep coming back to this. I'm a little curious as to why Seth doesn't get burned until it matters. You know, that the third quarter – the Blazers played great basketball, but the Mavericks also couldn't hit shots. And I, I don't – it's it's going to kill me over the course of the season if I see Luka make another beautiful pass to a wide-open corner three-point shooter only for that guy to clang it away. I mentioned this earlier about specific players. I'm not thinking about specific players at the moment. It's just more of a more of a, a, an institutional high-level thought about what's happening here because – Watching the way the Mavericks offense moves the ball sometimes is just incredible. They have a brilliantly structured offense within the two, you know, superstars. So, you know, Coach Carlisle talks a lot about process, process, process. The process that they have is good. The result needs to click at some point. And I've seen enough Mavericks basketball over the course of my life to understand that we're going to, you know, right now, the Mavericks are two and one, and we might be at kind of the the low, you know, we might be experiencing one of the lower ends of the bench shooting because at some point, some of these guys are going to actually hit a few shots. It's whether they can do it in these games where it really matters and the Mavericks don't need to have 50 plus points from Porzingis and Luka. That's where I think things are going to get interesting over the course of the year. You know, Maxi Kleba shot the ball really well early and then just, you know, started breaking it late. And like, you know, there's just... They just need a little bit more, a little bit more. Losing a home game is not good either. I don't know. I, I maybe I'm just I'm just I'm just fired up because it was a it was it was a great it was a great game to watch. Like these two teams play each other as about as good as any two teams in the league. And every time you know the game gets you think it's going to get out of hand, the the one of the two teams come roaring back. So at least it was a wire to wire really fun game. Yeah, for sure. And I know uh, two more things I definitely want to mention before we go in terms of, you know, things that I noticed that bothered me a little bit and probably contributed to them losing. Uh, Portland shot 17 of 26 at the rim tonight. Uh, 17 shots at the rim in one game. That is uh, too many makes at the rim. Like, that's just unacceptable. And uh, Porzingis and Maxi had some good uh, weak side help and some shot blocks, but uh, Maxi did not look good when you know the Mavericks kind of play conservative pick and roll scheme where the big kind of drops back a little bit and the guard tries to fight over it or fight over it or under it whichever way and it felt like Littlelord or McCollum it, they were just going attacking a backpedaling Maxi or Przingis at will and getting off you know comfortable layups and and even if you know we're watching you're like oh man he just scored right over Przingis or he just scored right by Kleba like how they do that they're right there. You know, those guys are get good and you can't kind of give them that runway to the rim that I feel like the Mavericks were kind of inviting a little bit with their their conservative scheme, especially in the fourth quarter. 
Kleba trapped a pick and roll and uh, and Portland immediately turned it over. And I was like, ah, oh, there we go. Maybe they're going to turn up the heat here in the fourth quarter. But they, they kind of went back to their their normal scheme after that. And I feel like for as good as Kleba is as a defender and his switchability and, and his versatility and his rim protection as a, you know, guarding guys one on one that are going right at him at the rim. Uh, I think he's a little uh, susceptible there. And uh, Portland got whatever they wanted at the rim, uh, no question. That's probably part of the reason why the Mavericks lost. Another thing, as great as it was to see the rotation uh, shake out as it did in the first half, it kind of <laughs> reverted back a little bit in the second half. Like you said, Curry comes into the game about halfway through the first quarter. And then in the third quarter, he comes in with like a minute left after Portland has basically extinguished the Mavericks 12 point lead and they're, they're flailing and flopping around on offense a little bit. Like that just felt weird. Like why go away from something that worked so well in the first half? Uh, and then Dillon Wright was nowhere to be seen in the fourth quarter. And I felt like he was having an okay game up until, you know, he kind of didn't play anymore. And, you know, right. That he's the reason, isn't this kind of game, the reason why you got him to try to slow down a little bit, try to slow down a McCollum. Uh, I won't necessarily knock the Mavs for going Brunson Curry to close the game because that is something that I've been advocating for because, you know, like I'm just not a big Finney Smith or Jackson guy. So I'd much rather it be those two guys because they can create and hit shots. But uh, I just thought it was interesting that Wright didn't play down the stretch when the Mavericks desperately needed some stops and and just some resistance. You know, Portland just felt like they kind of dribbled wherever they wanted to go. You know, it didn't feel like the Mavericks were really doing anything to stop them there. Uh, Portland also hit 15 to 27 in the mid range, which kind of sucks. But also, you know, how much of it is bad luck and how much is bad defense when you're giving guys like McCollum and Lillard uh, really good shooters, right? right? You're giving them comfortable looks from spots where they can they can hit. Uh, yeah, so yeah. Those are like my last two things that I I think you know kind of contributed to the loss. Well, before we get on out of here, I got one more thing we didn't talk about. It. I think we need to um, the referee decision to overturn that call. Oh, right, right. Mark Cuban's talking on Twitter right now about how he wishes that there was some sort of announcement to at least explain it to the crowd because, you know, there is no, you know, they, they go from looking, they overturn it. People in the crowd don't understand what's going on. I don't know about you, but I thought it was the correct call because Dorian Finney-Smith, even if he got bumped or jostled prior, that's not what we're talking about. The actual act of what they called the foul on, the ball was poked out pretty cleanly. Um, Dorian, um, my man, I, you know, I'm going to need some sort of basketball scientist to explain the plus minus to me because I get that he plays hard. I get that he, he's actually a really strong defensive rebounder. He hustles on offense, but my God, there's a reason that, you know, he gets forgotten about and why he's able to get like tips near the rim. He's just a non-contributing zero on that end of the floor. I don't want to kill the guy. He he's, you know, he's going to be an asset over the long run. I just I can't with him right now on these close games because he seems to ha- he seems to be a part of both sides of things where things when things are going really well he's active on the floor but when things are going to hell in a handbasket he's also you know kind of right in the middle of it and and not helping uh, there if you watch the replay closely he should have passed the ball to Curry and Curry loses his mind to him um, there was no reason for him to take that ball up like like I. I I'm I'm sorry. There's just not. There was you know five, six, seven seconds on the floor, whatever it was. Bad decision. But you know what? It's one game. I'm not too now. This is like like this is talking about this is therapy for me. I don't know about you. Feel better. Um, yeah, I feel okay. 
<laughs> I mean, hey, it's it's two and one. It's it's still a better start than I think I probably would have guessed. Uh, sure. That things are going their way. You know, I mean, if you want to look at the bigger playoff picture, you know, not having the Pelicans, not having Zion is huge. The Kings are off to a horrible start. Uh, the Suns don't have DeAndre Ayton for a while, which I know it's, it's the Suns who cares, but you know that's still that's still good for the Mavs just in general. So you know they're they're catching some breaks while they're through this feeling out process. So you know in the end it's you know it's all good. Yep, yep, yep. Well, guys, this has been Josh and Kirk again. You know we like talking about basketball. We went a little longer than we meant to. We're going to try to keep these shorter, but that's okay. We appreciate you guys tuning in. I'm seeing, uh, you know, I'm getting some feedback. Anything that you guys want to let us know about what you'd like to see more or less of, um, please, please reach out to both of us. We're willing to take feedback. We're still new at this. Again, this has been Kirk Henderson and Josh Bowe with uh, Mavs Moneyball After Dark, and we will talk to you later in the week. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.